So welcome. We're really glad to have you here. Um, this is our quarantine version of the forum at Holy Communion. Uh, throughout this year, we're going to be hosting conversations in different ways. Uh, but to kick us off for this year, I'm really excited to have with us both Kelly Lattimore, a local St. Louis iconographer, and the Reverend Mark Bazzuti Jones, who is a priest at Trinity Wall Street, uh, who's done some work with Kelly, and we'll talk about that. But we're going to have a conversation about icons today, and particularly the icon that you can see here over my shoulder, Mama, uh, which was recently blessed and became part of our permanent collection at Holy Communion. Uh, but that work was informed by earlier work that Kelly has done and, and some of that work with Mark. And so we wanted to have a conversation about what this work means, what icons mean, and representation in art. So I wonder if I could start out and I'll, I'll point the question first to uh, Kelly and then Mark, feel free to jump in, but what is an icon? I think an icon at its core is, I mean, so well, let me jump back. Icon really meaning in Greek image. And so then you have the person who would write the icon, which is iconographer, so literally icon writer. And I think what the icon is really trying to do is to take both symbol and meaning and symbol really being the, the Greek of it means where two things come together into one thing. And art, kind of the Latin of art is uh, where two things come together properly. And so I think an icon really tries to take um, in some of the basic forms an image and put it together in a proper way where a community of, of faith or a community can see that image of a person or a scene and in its artful way, in the beautiful way, is able to depict something that the community of faith can use as a guide for its thought and its prayer, and then therefore its action. Um, in the Orthodox tradition, it is very much seen as, you know, something that uh, is a window to God or window to the person being depicted. But I think um, uh, the icon itself, it could then take on um, uh, a form where it can be uh, taken with the community. It can be uh, in certain instances used as a, uh, a, a kind of a, a, uh, the community taking the image out into, or the, the, the church taking the community, the image out into the world to there, therefore um, using it as a vessel to, to see, see Christ not only within the community and in the symbols that it already has, but then also in the world at large. That's and that's, that's literally that. true. Yeah, right. In, in, in Greek Orthodox and, and other Orthodox um, tradition, there are processions of icons. Yeah. Um, there's another icon um, that you didn't actually write, Kelly, but that Mark had a part in, um, the Our Lady of Ferguson. I'm actually wearing her shirt. She's yes. been um, part of our processions around gun violence for Holy Communion. I've got a clergy friend in Massachusetts who also has taken this image around now that Mark Dukes, the iconographer, has made her available so that you can actually get a copy. Um, I've seen her out in protest a number of different ways. Mark, I wonder if you could tell us about your spirituality, your history around icons and around the icons that you've helped come into being. 
Thank you. So Mike and Kelly, it's certainly great to be uh, in, your, in your company. This is a, a wonderful conversation. I liked what Kelly said about what icons represent. For me, I think icons are the perfect religious art. The perfect religious art. Because going back to Genesis, we remember that human beings were made in the image and likeness of God. So God is our icon, and we as human beings are God's icons. And, you know, for me, you know, that's the, the, the perfect art. When we remember and when we recall that we are in the image and likeness of God. At the same time, I believe that also icons must always be iconoclastic. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a unity in icons in their ability to, to be iconoclastic. Because on some levels, I think the image of God should always surprise us. The image of God should always cause us to struggle. The image of God should always cause what I would call a holy trembling. So I think when we think about icons, we also have to remember iconoclastic because I think as human beings, we're also called to, 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 to shatter those images that are not true images of God. And oftentimes, you know, we human beings, you know, as they say, God made us in God's image and likeness, and we returned the favor to God. You know, we made God in our image and likeness. So sometimes we're small, sometimes we lack compassion, sometimes we lack love. So, you know, I think the icon and the iconoclastic for those of us who uh, treasure iconography is, is very important. Something too that's very important is the reminder that icons in addition to being taken out into the world, and they're taken out into the world for this very reason, that icons by their very nature look. Yes. Okay. We, we, we always want to lift up the fact that icons are looking at us, you know? And again, you know, it's this two sides of a coin, so to speak, because God looks at us with love, and we're called to look at God in love and look at each other in love. So that aspect of an icon looking on us is very important. Mm. I think for me as a Jamaican, sorry, I, you know, I'm gonna, I, I, I did a long-winded introduction to answering your question, but yes. I, I was about to say that for me as a Jamaican, growing up in Jamaica, and as a uh, and as a black man, I've always had a strong sense of the need for this iconoclastic action towards, you know, because for, for many Jamaicans, you know, Jesus is uh, a blonde haired blue eyed person. And for me, I have always treasured that line from Genesis that we're made in the image and likeness of God. And so I wanted to explore as part of my theology, as my spirituality, as my gift to the world, to bring forth images of God and 
you know, images in the best sense, images that represent people. Because as I said, it's the looking that goes both ways. And when we look at God, we need to discover ourselves in God. And that is what engenders in us this sense of our own goodness and humanity's goodness. And so for me, you know, I've, I've always thought to find ways to represent God and represent the Virgin Mary and represent the saints in, uh, in blackness, you know, as a way of celebrating uh, this blackness. I want to get into that a little. So we, as a congregation, have made it one of our priorities over the, for the next several years. Uh, we're a congregation that is maybe the, one of the most diverse in the state of Missouri. Um, we're a congregation that we were a white flight congregation out to the St. Louis suburbs in the 1930s. But then just 30 years later, they decided to be the first Episcopal church to integrate including in the 1960s, they performed the first interracial marriage in Missouri. And so it's become a part of the identity of Holy Communion. And now we're pretty diverse, um, especially for an Episcopal church. But our imagery sort of froze in the 1960s. We hadn't had new images of the saints or of God that had been brought in um, since then. And so we've actually just taken out a whole series of windows and we're collaborating with the artist Kababi, who's another neighbor of Kelly and mine, uh, and we're going to have the first set of stained glass windows that Emil Fry, a, no a notable local St. Louis stained glass iconographer, has ever collaborated with a Black artist on. We're really excited about those. But we're looking at this question of representation. Um, and you two collaborated on a particular icon that folks in our congregation love. It's, could you talk a little bit about the Trinity and how your collaboration came into being? Mark, you want to start? It really started with you reaching out, so I'd like to hear. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm going to, I'm going to. Oh, let's go. <laughs> We're going to go on a tour of Mark's apartment and his icons. This is awesome. Oh, there she is. Oh, wow. Oh, man. It's so, been a long time since I've seen it, so. Amen. Yeah. yeah. I, I, this does it justice. And, you know, it's okay if folks get a chance to look at it rather than me. I think they can still pick up my voice. You know, yeah. I, I came across Kelly's work by, one would say, accident, you know, just the way the spirit works. You know, somebody told me about him and uh, I, I, I wrote to him and I said, you know, I would love to commission an image of the Trinity. And again, with part of what, you know, learning about Kelly and his philosophy, he had a write-up on his page and having a conversation with him. You know, I knew I wanted to depict the Trinity. And so what I said to him was, uh, you know, let's approximate that very famous Russian icon and let us be iconoclastic with that icon, iconoclastic in the best way and depict the Trinity in a traditional and in an orthodox way. And remember, you know, you know, we're always breaking with tradition and respecting mm. tradition. And we're always uh, breaking with orthodoxy, even as we respect orthodoxy. And so this sense of having uh, a, a, a trinity, a woman with obvious black features, uh, I wanted her to have 
dreadlocks, you know, to make it clear that she is a, a, a black woman, uh, a woman representing uh, brown uh, people, uh, the people who are native, the people from India, the other places in the world uh, where folks uh, would identify as, as people of color in a different stripe. And then a woman from Asia that would represent uh, all the folks from Asia. And, you know, one of the things we, we, we recognize, and I'll begin moving a little bit here, one of the things we recognize is when we talk about race, we sometimes forget that there is, act, you know, race is nothing if we don't own the fact that we're one family, that we're all together, that, you know, we're all mixed, you know, I am black, but you may discover that I have more white DNA than, than many folks who identify as white. And so uh, Asians are in us and with us and are us. Black folks are within us and are us, brown folks. We're all one human family. And I, and I think for me, that Trinity icon, I wanted to represent and remind folks that, you know what, you know, we, we, we are one. So take a new look, so to speak, which again is part of what an icon does. It invites us to have ourselves looked at in a new way and also Icons invite us to look anew and go, oh my, wow, look, a black person, an Asian person, you know, a brown person, the world, all involved in this icon. Who decided to put the rainbow flag on the table? Well, I wanted to, you know, again, a lot of this, <laughs> and I think it's the, it's the gift of Kelly, because, you know, sometimes when one works with an artist, an artist can say, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to do this, you know, or, you know, I, I don't want to go there. But Kelly and I had a good conversation and throughout the conversation, you know, of course, the, this table is uh, a, a stable of that or, original icon. And so I wanted this image to be as inclusive as possible and to celebrate the diversity of our LGBTQ ex sisters and brothers, him, her, transgender folks. I wanted all of that included. And then one other thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. On the table of that icon with the, with the colors of uh, LGBTQ flag, I decided to go in a different direction as Kelly and I spoke about this. And instead of the bread, we chose wheat, like branches of wheat. And instead of the wine, we chose grapes. And it was our way of saying that this icon is inviting all of us into the work of becoming God's image, you know? So there's work, you know, we gotta make this bread and we gotta make this wine and it takes a lot of work. So, you know, that's certainly one of my memories of it, but Kelly, you <laughs> might have a different experience of the conversation we had. No, I mean, everything you said, I mean, it's going right back to 
our original conversations. And I was floored because it was so invigorating to have someone collaborating a piece that really diving into the metaphor and, and that this idea and Richard Rohr talks a lot about this, who I love, which is that we can only talk about God through metaphor. Right. It's always, you know, speaking of God is always a search for similes, analogies, you know, uh, the theological language of it is just an approximation. It's not something that we can ever say it is. It's always Jesus in the gospels always think it's like this. It's like a, you know, man who was beaten in a path and, you know, these, you know, the treasure, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field. It's always in metaphor. And so it was so beautiful as to be, just to then say, okay, we'd have three women of color, you know, an Asian woman, a woman of, of, of brown skin and a black woman in this kind of traditional uh, form, this traditional form that is from iconography. Um, but in that form, it's been made new. And and to kind of go back to your point too, and, and some of the the response from this icon this blends both good or bad, but in the bad part of it, I think in when, in speaking to what you were saying, Mark, is that after it was painted, is that you're seeing that what I mean, what racism is, and, and we'll talk about this later with the mama icon, but it's a complete denial of the incarnation. <laughs> right the personhood of the Imago Dei of, of everyone. And, and the, so anyway, I, and see, but seeing uh, the Trinity as women, as people of color, um, I mean, I, we, don't, we don't use uh, Jesus's uh, uh, symbolism of the mother hen, as he talks about, you know, I, I wish I could be a mother hen. And, and you know, we didn't use that symbolism enough in motherhood within uh, when we talk about God. And so oh, I just, I, it, it didn't seem like a problem, you know? Could I ask you to talk a little bit about um, like your journey to icons as an art form and, and maybe your spiritual journey a little bit? Because I know a little bit about you because of the network that I discovered we shared that touches Greenville College and sort of a more evangelical world. But I wonder if you yeah. could talk a little bit about like your journey into and what brought you into iconography? Well, so after I, I, I went to Greenville for uh, religion and art, <laughs> which ended up working perfectly in its own way. But as like most uh, people after college, I had a choice to go live back with my parents or move to Ohio and be a part of a, uh, a farming community there. And of course I, I wanted a new adventure. I ended up meeting a couple and, and they had founded a community called the Common Friars and it was a, a community of men and women where we lived our lives based on prayer and the daily office, but then also um, the main mission was a food pantry farm where we grew produce for food pantries and, and had a daily Eucharist and meal. And while I was there, one of the, the community members, I, I've always painted and made art and they suggested I try iconography. And so I combed over books and as with iconography and all iconography, it starts with just tracing. You're tracing over the things that have come before, the images that had come before. And, and that lasted for a while. And then I, I started, uh, I tried to do my first icon based on a, a lot of our shared experience, which is called Christ Considered the Lilies. And it was based off of 
being farmers and constantly around the land, my friend, you know, Paul one day was say, said to us, you know, what does it mean in Jesus's words to consider the lilies of the field and to be present to the earth in a way where we're caring for it rightly and as we're also trying to take care of other people by feeding them food. And so I, I painted this image called Christ the Lilies. Um, but what, what happened is, is it was interesting because it wasn't a great icon. <laughs> Christ is almost looking at the lilies kind of surprised that they're in his hand. It wasn't my, I was learning how to paint still and I still am, but the community embraced it. And they, because it was an image that it's, the base of it had come from our common experience and what we were, how we were looking at, how we were learning to look at the world as a community of faith and not, not to be curved in on ourselves, not to say to turn it in on ourselves, but then as a way to guide us to then look out into the world and how to be mm. present to uh, the sacredness that was around us, not only in the land, but in the people. And so they, they put that image in the, uh, our main prayer area um, but that just having them embrace that as even though it wasn't a great icon, it really, that was 10 years ago now. And now I'm still, it really working just on working on icons and trying to become a better painter and trying to look at the metaphors that are, uh, around us that not only taking a deep dive in what's come before, but then to kind of carry that into this time and, uh, those uh, images and people and symbols and meaning and trying to mesh them together in a way where it can yet again become images that uh, guide us as communities to not only in our thought and prayer, but then in our action. And I think that's the most important part. There's an icon that uh, it's the only icon I know of that I've really um, been moved by in recent, well, not the only, but one of a few icons that I've been moved by that neither one of you have had a hand in. Um, is a community, a trans and queer community in Poland that, uh, talking about being iconoclastic, took over a sort of national image of the Madonna, an icon of the Madonna, and turned just her halo into a rainbow. Mm -hmm. um, so that became our pride t-shirt last year, and we gave all of the um, donations that we received for our pride t-shirts to this um, Polish organization that really is, is fighting for the lives of queer people in a pretty oppressive um, governmental regime. But I wonder about that, you know, like Kelly, sort of from the get-go, you've approached this iconography of iconoclasm a little bit. Um, Mark, could you say a word about um, Our Lady of Ferguson, who's on my t-shirt that um, you worked on with Mark Dukes and how that came about? I've always had a strong devotion to, to Mary. And I wanted an icon of the, the, the Blessed Mother. And so, you know, I called up Mark again and told him that uh, I wanted an icon that would represent the, the Blessed Virgin Mary as a black woman, you know, that I wanted her to be, you know, uh, Black in a way that could speak to uh, not just Black people, but people of every race, you know. Uh, sometimes it's hard to, 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 to describe what we're trying to bring out as artists. I'm not an artist, but I know that, you know, uh, there is a way in which uh, 
we, you know, we can represent something, we can image something that will speak to the world. And then just around the time as Mark and I were in conversation, there were all these uh, incidents of violence against black people. There was the incident of Ferguson and, you know, and, and, and as Mark and I, you know, was talking, you know, it, you know, the idea came up in his head that, you know, the position in which we pray we oftentimes forget, you know, that this Oren's position uh, mirrors so much of what happens in the world, you know. And just at that time, there was that hands up, don't shoot. And so that was incorporated into the into the icon. And uh, so it was called Our Lady Mother of Ferguson. And now Mark and I go back and forth because we kind of battle a little bit about that because, you know, he wants to strictly call it Our Lady Mother Ferguson. And for me, a preferred title is Our Lady Mother Ferguson and all those killed by gun violence. You know, that sense of icons always need to be contemporary. And again, it's one of the things that I love about Kelly Latimore in the way, you know, he brings in, you know, Mary Oliver, you know, Dorothy Day and you know, Don Lewis. Way he contemporizes the sense of the sacred trust. Again, you know, icons, again, by looking at us, is always a present action. And so, icons, I believe, must speak to the contemporary experience of spiritual and must draw us into facing the reality. Can I say something to that real quick, yeah. Mike? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to tell you guys a story. And to that point, uh, Mark, uh, in 2008, I had the opportunity to go on a delegation to Israel and Palestine. And it was a delegation to kind of meet with people on both sides of the conflict and, and to really understand what's going on and bring that information back to our communities. But there's a woman in our church who, before I left, she asked me, she said, can you bring me a rock back from Palestine? And I said, sure. So on my way there, I took a few books. And one of these books that I had, of the few that I had, was this book by Wendell Berry about the life and work of Harlan Hubbard. And he was a, a, a landscape painter, just an amazing artist. But um, it was while was, we were by the Jordan River, and I had this book. And uh, it's a small section where uh, he was asked by a, a local Kentucky Baptist church to paint above their baptismal, a mural of the Jordan River. And he punked them. And instead of painting a mural of the Jordan River, he painted their own Ohio River. <laughs> and I thought it was incredible. And it was like instantaneous. I was like, I can't take a rock from this place. Mm -hmm. And I think it all clicked. It was a huge kind of catalyst moment for me as an artist, but also as a person where for me that I couldn't bring her out back because for this woman, she, the reason she wanted it was because she wanted to be the, the closest she possibly could to Jesus. But the thing is, is that for her, if she could see the world like Harlan did, whereas he was telling that congregation, you want to find a holy river? The Ohio river is your holy river. 
this is your holy river. If you're looking for a sacred rock, go look in your own backyard. If you're looking for Christ, go walk around your neighborhood and you'll find him. And I think that the sacred art that will make an impact today is, is going to say exactly that. And I hope that's the work that I can do. But I know people like Mark Dukes are doing it. And like the work that you're commissioning, uh, Mark Zudi Jones and other people are doing it. I think that's going to make the impact to wake us up to see uh, the sacredness within people and, and, and around us. Mark, you've got this gorgeous icon behind you. Um, you said from Brazil. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about her. So, again, you know, piggybacking on what Kelly talked about the contemporary experience of icons and iconography. This icon from Brazil is, you know, also another Black Madonna. Uh, I wanted her to be as representative of the ordinary Brazilian uh, woman as as possible. You know, again, uh, it. I'm saying that and I'm not even quite sure what I mean by that because at the same time, you know, it's the questions that we should always have around our, our, our images. Uh, at the same time, you know, for those who know a little bit about the Brazilian culture, there's, you know, a strong Roman Catholic presence and it's Our Lady of Aparecida. So I wanted to use the images and the colors and that deep blue that you see and the yellow uh, is a iconoclastic approach to what the, you know, Our Lady of Aparecida uh, represents in the in the Brazilian Church. But this icon positions the the, the Blessed Mother in front of the huge favelas of Rio de Janeiro, and it is again an invitation, I'm playing on this image of uh, see me and see my people and let my people see you. And so she stands uh, in front of the favelas and declares, you know, that she is a part of them and that she's one of them, you know. And again, you know, it's that sense of how we are made in the in the image and likeness of God, and you know, again, you know, uh, this icon standing there with, with with openness is also a way of reminding us of how we need to, you know, to be compassionate with each other, to be gentle with each other, and to be and to be open, you know, and to look at each other. And again, you know, that's the importance of looking. I think when we look at each other, uh, we are immediately challenged to treat each other with more love and with more respect. So there's, there's so much that we could talk about. Um, I, I also wonder if what you all are talking about, and I, I say this in the Latin American sense of what it means as an American, you're talking about a Brazil, but I wonder if this is also a particularly American uh, way of thinking of iconography. Um, and, and I would say that as a sense of in a, 
in a gift as well. You know, one of the first great American icons is the image of the Virgin of Guadalupe, um, who is so central to Mexican faith, particularly because she looks indigenous. Um, and it was this idea that um, God could appear in the costume, in the um, coloring, in the people, um, and to the people in a way that was very American. Um, and so to, to take iconography in this direction, I think, in this particular iconoclastic direction, uh, I wonder if it's an American thing. I want to come back, though, to this question of the eyes, because Kelly, following you on Instagram, I know that the eyes of Mama didn't stay looking in the original direction. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, um, about your decisions around her eyes. Yeah. Well, to go back from the original question, I think what's really beautiful about iconography and what I really appreciated the most about it is that it's a very communal art and you're really taking on uh, so much context from when people commission work um, from their communities and what they've experienced and, and uh, the images they need at that time. But with Mama, um, Mama really came out of, I mean, just like all of us, the absolute brutal eight minutes and uh, 48 seconds of George Floyd dying and my partner Evie and I were just completely chilled to the bone when, you know, one of the last things he said was, you know, mama. And it, it just absolutely tore us apart. And just seeing this same brutalization of black bodies happen over again and again. And um, my partner Evie commissioned the work. She is the one who suggested it. And then we, it just kind of flowed out into our kind of smaller community of people. And we said, we're really thinking about wanting to create this image and really as a means of mourning and process, processing what had happened. But then also just to go back to what you said before, um, a call to, to prayer and thought, but then also action on it. And so when we started to collaborate, Evie and I, and, and with a few others, uh, creating and, and the initial sketches, and I typically like to sketch right on the board. As you said, Mike, the mama was looking at the, the, the Christ figure. And I should say too, when um, oh, I get a lot of questions from people saying, is it George Floyd or Jesus? And my answer to that is yes. And I think that's the best answer. So I need to say that. She's looking at the figure. And, and, I, and I think after we began to other colors emerged, it was that call, not only the mourning and the process of all of these black mothers who have lost sons, just like Mary did losing her own son, a man of color who was unjustly murdered by the state. Um, it was that act of her looking at the viewer, the eyes, as Mark said, to be able to kind of connect with the image, with the eyes looking at you, was that call of, of mourning, of processing it, but then the call of action all in one gaze. If she had been just looking at the figure, I think it, it, it's focused too much on the death, which is horrible. 
then moving it back towards the viewer and connecting in that way, it, it just, it was only, I guess, a feeling. It's that artistic, just like feeling of we changed it and people that we showed it to and, and others and a few uh, fellow priests, friends of mine, it was just like, yes, like just leap. That's exactly how it needs to be. And I think that's the beauty of the, that communal part of iconography and that simple change, I think really um, was a testament, not necessarily to me, but to everyone else around me who was helping kind of guide uh, my own artistic process in creating that image. So. I think that matters. And I mean, like for me, it, when I first saw Mama, that the way that she's looking at you, it reminded me of Leslie McSpadden, Michael Brown's mom, mm. in that interview she gave very soon after his death, where she just says, do you know how hard it was for me to get him to graduate from high school? <laughs> and just humanized Michael in this way for so many people right yes. away, or even Jacob Blake's sister, um, just last week talking about, you know, when you say his name, say that he's a brother, say that he is, um, you know, an uncle, say that he is all of these other things, that he's a human being. Um, it's the, that confrontation um, is, is a piece of, and I love, Mark, your word for it, that, that, it, that the icon is iconoclastic. It makes you break open your image. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder, so we experienced just a little bit, I think. I mean, we, we had to uh, update our filters on Facebook to make sure that we could keep away some angry folks about mamas and they're wanting to post about heresy and blasphemy. You can't use those words on our Facebook page anymore. We'll let you comment. Um, but I wonder if you all could talk about, because it sounds like, Kelly, you probably receive even more than we did as a community um, and what that experience was like. And then I wonder if I could also ask at the end, the reverse of that, what what has been the the you know, experience of um, of those who have embraced. But I wonder if you could talk about the resistance first. Yeah. Mark, do you have anything that you want to add to that first? Did you yes. personally receive anything? Yes. Uh, yes, I've received many negative feedbacks. And I tend not to block them, actually. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, it's like Jesus saying, blessed are you in people revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. There is something about the image of God that will always be resisted. There is something about the image of God that will always be crucified. You know, uh, we, we, we have to remember, you know, I believe this honestly, that if Jesus Christ came today, he would also be crucified very shortly. And why is that? Because we continue to crucify each other. And uh, we continue to be violent against each other. And so it should not surprise us that when we do good, we encounter a lot of pushback, you know. First of all, we find it in our own very selves, you know. I mean, that happens to me, you know, it's, it's what Paul says, you know, when I want to do good, I end up doing evil. And when I'm trying to do this, you know, the opposite happens. And so, yes, there are many people, and you see this being played out in our uh, 
political life today and not just our political life or religious life and in our emotional life you know there is a lot of resistance there's a lot of pushback to what is different and so there's a lot of pushback against black bodies there's a lot of pushback against gay and lesbian and transgender and so yes icons we must also remember by their very nature will disrupt and will cause hateful response in many people that's the nature of it i think you know at times we forget that as christians or we forget that as spiritual people that you know there's always resistance in the spiritual path there's always a testing and the testing comes in the harmful the hurtful and the violent response that we oftentimes get to trying to lift up an image that is inclusive when we try to lift up an image of 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 god that is that is different and that is challenging we, we're gonna get a lot of pullback and you know we're gonna get you know we're gonna get people if they could get their hands on it that you know that they would break them or slash them or destroy them you know and again that is the nature of the spiritual life on some level in terms of we will always get uh pushback and, you know, I know it's hard for a writer of an icon or for an artist to, to have his or her uh, work rejected or have people say bad things against it. But, you know, I really do come back to that thing that, you know, oftentimes, let's not forget, you know, that Paul was on his way to persecute uh, the Christians when he got converted. And so the nature of the icon too is that it continuously holds out hope and possibilities that many of the people who reject it and many of the people who, you know, just say, you know, horrendous things, you never know. One day, this very icon might be uh, an avenue of salvation for them. Kelly, you wanna? Yeah, thanks for saying that, Mark. Um, yes, I think Mark's exactly right. There's, I think it goes all the way back even to the Gospels or where people were saying, you know, how could the Messiah come from Nazareth? You know, it's all, it started all the way back then um, and it continues today. And I think what's been helpful is when one of my friends, uh, a dear friend of mine just said, you know what, the people who are resisting the, this image, images like the Trinity that Mark commissioned and Mama, is that they're really trying to protect God. But the thing is, is that God doesn't need protecting. And that if you, you can be pretty sure if that you're protect, trying to protect God, you're protecting your own idol, <laughs> which is the exact opposite of an icon. And, um, and where then religion is just worshiping itself. And, and so I think with, with, with mama and the hate it's received, received, I mean, just like you said, Mark, you never know. Uh, Mark actually has another icon that was, was highly, uh, I got a lot of literal or 
spiritual and literal death threats about, which was an icon called Refugees La Sacred yes. Familia, which was the sacred family. And Mark owns the original of that. And that all stemmed from me meeting a, a legal immigrant man who had crossed the desert and sitting across from him from a bonfire and hearing his story and hearing his experience of crossing the desert and what he saw and why he was there, his hope, his fears about his life. And it just something about it completely clicked to the exact anxiety and fear, but also hope that Mary, Joseph and Jesus would have had fleeing to Egypt, you know, 2000 years ago. And so for the same thing, I think these people trying to protect God in, in their own form by resisting these, these icon images. I, I, again, I like Mark, I don't try to even protect myself um, in the sense that I, I typically don't engage with these people. And, um, but, it, but in that sense, I think it's, I think both the, the hate, which is fear and the people who really connect to these image, both of them are completely needed. And it, and hopefully iconography cannot be something that's just uh, church art in the sense that it's for itself, but maybe it can be something that like, which all art can potentially do, which is create dialogue. And we, we have to kid ourselves if we think that our congregations and our parishes are uh, places of complete harmony. There's people that just dis disagree with each other. And even these images, need to be there to help us really understand the otherness in our own congregations, the otherness maybe even in ourselves. And so by seeing Jesus as a black man, as an immigrant, as a homeless person, as the little ones, the least of these, um, that really has something to teach us about who God is, who our neighbors are, and, and who we are. And hopefully, you know these images can do that and the people that reject them again it's it's goes back again to the seeds being cast um, you never know how someone seeing these images might affect them or seeing the image that mark dukes did of our lady of ferguson this could really affect someone when they see it and you, you just don't know but that's the gift of art it becomes something after the artist lets it into the world and the viewer there's the power of that it. it becomes hopefully something that you wouldn't, a gift that you wouldn't have even dream, dreamed of in communities and people can kind of take it and, and use it as a way to, to uh, empower themselves and to re reinvigorate the metaphors and language to then carry out into the world and be uh, vessels of against injustice and vessels of love and compassion and peace. So that, that is a wonderful place to sort of put a pause. I hope it's just a pause in our conversation. Um, <laughs> It, because it, you know we did we did put some filters on because some of the language that came was really negative and the, the Facebook page for us is a is a communal space so it was more about safeguarding the community but the thing that really amazed me was once those negative comments started coming in the community decided to rally around Mama <laughs> and um, and it, you know people that I would have never expected from the congregation just talked about how this image. And we sort of lucked into Mama, you know, Kelly and his partner, his partner commissioned it and Kelly um, wrote Mama and then he offered it up for a donation and Holy Communion, I, I have the authority to say, yeah, we can make a donation to Arch City Defenders. And I expecting somebody like Mark Bazzuti Jones to just outbid me 
um, you know, and win, uh, and, and never thinking that we were going to end up with Mama. And then when Kelly wrote me on Instagram, I went, oh, we have to bring her home and bless her as fast as we can. Um, and it's been interesting to watch how quickly, because we received that pushback, the congregation really rallied around this image and really said that this representation matters. We've been doing this work as a congregation to talk about why it matters, but people just really jumped in. Um, and that to me has become a big piece. I mean, it's always gonna be part of our story of Mama coming to us was we received pushback and the congregation decided, okay. And, and for some folks, I know that it's like a, I guess we, this is who we are and we're gonna push back on this and I gotta get myself to this place where this image, I gotta figure this out for myself. I know that's part of some people's dimension of this, mm. but for some folks it really was this. And for some folks that's because they came from really Protestant places and this is an image of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> I gotta get over that, you know? But, but for some folks it is this question of representation and race and George Floyd and seeing Christ there and I think that it's just this, it's become this spiritual pilgrimage for us as a congregation to be the home for this particular image. So, you know, I, Mike, I must say, you know, Kelly is a very wise man, you know, because when he first offered it, I said, you know what, Kelly, I think I would love to engage <laughs> conversation with you. And he rightly said, you know what, Mark, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the home for this uh, having it in a chapel or in a church place. And I must say, I mean, in his wisdom, uh, he rightly spoke about the, 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 the rightful place of this particular icon. And as you know, that has led to this. So Mike, it also says a lot about you in terms of the connections that, that, that you make and the conversations uh, that you helped to create. So Mike, blessings upon you and Kelly, blessings oh. upon you. And this is exactly what it's about, engaging in this kind mm. of conversation. Well, and Mark, through the small world of the Episcopal Church, I don't know, I know that the first image of yours I encountered, Kelly, was La Sagrada Familia. Um, I'd done some work around immigration back before seminary and that was my first encounter, but I got reintroduced to you through Mark Bizzuti Jones and through the Trinity. And then through this, I realized I knew you were in Missouri. I didn't know you were only a block away from me in the same neighborhood. So Literally, um, yes. thank you for introducing me to a neighbor, Mark. But um, Mark, you wrote a wonderful piece about Mama, a wonderful poem about Mama. And I wonder if you would be willing to share that as a poem and as a prayer for us uh, to conclude our time. All right, a real honor. Mama. Here in Holy Communion, we stand with all your saints before you. George Floyd, pray for us. Be not surprised by this or us. George Floyd, breathe with the Spirit on us and convert our hearts, minds, and souls. Mama, Behold your son. Look at us and look at all your sons. You behold your mother. Look at her and all 
your mothers. See Jesus. See every human being, holy, holy, holy. Look, let them see you, holy, holy, holy. Which mother among you doesn't love your son, especially your prodigal sons? Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. None of us want any of us or any part of us to die before the time like George, suffocating and deadly, 8.46, 8 minutes, 46 seconds, the pure disorder of it. Icons, icons look on us, call us to look at the art of the world, the holy, one human family, our creator God. This day, we need this icon to be with us in paradise, lost and found, to look at us and call us Mama. She says, Black Lives Matter. He breathes, Black Lives Matter. Everyday God, come see with us and breathe in us to respect the dignity of every human being. God, Mama, 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 help us be this icon of your love, your justice, and your peace. Amen. 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 Kelly, if people want to see your work, um, what's the best way to do so? Um, on kellylattimoreicons.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that. But those are the best, probably best places to see it. And then obviously at Holy Communion, whenever all of this clears up with COVID, they can come yeah. and see Mama at your parish. And we are looking at a way to um, allow pilgrimages to the church starting in October. Mm. So stay tuned That's for amazing. that. Yeah, and holycommunion.net is where you'll find us if you're encountering us randomly out there on the web. And Mark, what's the is 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 Trinity the best place to get in touch or to see you? That's where I go look for your sermons, which I love listening to your preaching. Oh, you're very kind. Too, so. um, but what's the best way for folks to find you? Well, I you know that's a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'll I'll put it out there that uh, that you know I'm gonna put some links in the bottom so I'll put right. uh, Mark Bazzuti Jones because I think Trinity does a really nice job on their website of your uh, of putting your sermons out there. That's right. So, That's right. Uh, well, gentlemen, it is an absolute privilege and pleasure to spend this uh, this hour with you talking about Mama and icons and. Um, just thank you. And I, I do, I, as I was sitting here, I was like, these two should write a book together about this. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, you should, you should teach um, this. I mean, it's just a wonderful dialogue. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Mike. This is a real honor and uh, blessings upon you, your prophetic ministry at Holy Communion. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. And Kelly, thank you again, man. It's 
fun yeah. on. Thank you. you. Work and it's just wonderful. Yeah, thank, thank you, you thank Mike. You thank you, Mike. Yes, thank you yeah. so much. This is wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you both very, very much. All right. God, God blessings. God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs>